0: Welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ron Swallow.
1: I'm Ed Greer. And today we have a great guest. Uh, I follow this guy on Twitter. He's, he's a smart guy. Uh, he is a director for DC animated movies, many of which are, you know that you've seen, but we'll, we'll get into that as we talk. Uh, a storyboarder and uh, an artist in his own right, if you check out his Instagram. And uh, as I stated earlier, a great animation director. Please give it up for Sam Liu.
2: Thank you, guys. That's uh, internet classic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean it's it's just so funny how uh, the one thing I did want to maybe just hit you right off the top with is uh, how does it feel to be like one of the people who like people have seen what you do, but they might might not know exactly you.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean it's. Um, there's parts of it, I obviously, that, uh, I like, right? Cause I'm kind of introverted. Um, you know, uh, I'm kind of in my head a lot and stuff like that. So, um, it's, it's, it's good kind of in that mm-hmm. way, right? But, but sometimes, I mean, especially like in business and all that kind of stuff, you kind of wish that people kind of knew you a little bit. You know what I mean? Things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's, you know, it's, it's good and it's kind of bad. And, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in such a niche, niche market. That, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's not very big, you know. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a regular guy for the most part, you know. So.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so funny. The animated DC features, what do we want to call it? The uh, are honestly the best thing that DC does. Everybody loves those DC things. So I love that you are like, yeah, I'm just a regular guy who happens <laughs> to make the most popular thing in DC.
2: <laughs> well, let me let me just right off the bat kind of uh, put this out there because it's 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 sort of like you know a movie length thing, but it is nowhere near a movie budget. So um, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. A lot, like half the time I'm a I'm I'm a little embarrassed for it sometimes. You know, which pisses off I think some of the people like that I work for. <laughs> um, but uh, but you know, it is what it is. You know what I mean? It's 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 we do the best that we can with it. You know, I mean it, they give us a lot of freedom, which is great. And they're very supportive of it. And, um, but again, it's just, you know, uh, it, it, it's just weird sometimes because again, like we've sometimes put in, been put into categories, you know what I mean? For awards, um, sometimes, you know what I mean? With feature things and, and we're just like shaking our heads. Like, why are we even going to show up? There's no way we're going to win. I mean, our budgets are like one, like 30th of what, what they have, you know what I mean? So, um, but you know, um, but thank you very much for, uh, you know i mean i work with a bunch of obviously like great people you know there's a, a lot of really talented people that I, I i work with um so
0: what what is animation direction like how does that work yeah you know my mom asked
2: me that <laughs> and, uh, I, think, I think that's a thing that you know uh, it, it it's it's weird like it's it's definitely in, in you know one of the invisible arts you know um because I feel like when I was in comics, you know, like it's it's a very one to one kind of thing, right? It's kind of like, oh, you draw comics, right? And so you say you say yes, and then it's like, oh, I look at the drawing and that uh, and understand that, okay, you drew that, you know. Mm-hmm. So when yeah. you're, you know, when, when you're like a designer, it's a little bit closer because it's like I drew that background, I painted that background, you know, I drew this character, or, you know, that type of stuff, right? So as a storyboard artist, as a and as a director, right? Um, like your your job is to basically um, take um, l- l- okay let's just start with like director right so, you, so you, your job is to basically you get a script you work with a team and you basically visualize what that script is right yeah sort of put that script onto sp- the screen like you know and everything that sort of it entails right because in animation obviously and let me put this out there as well is um in american animation uh, for the most part right unless you're in features um, you don't actually animate right so mm. what you do is you 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 do pre-production and post-production and, and the animation is the stuff that's in the middle right and that it usually mm. is done overseas and so the pre-production is just the like the designs the script um, the colors the storyboards the timing uh, all the assets that they need to animate it right from oh. scene to scene shot to shot. Right. So we provide all that. The storyboard artists is the sort of, I guess, cinematic view because there's no cameras, right. And there's no multi-camera kind of thing. There's only one shot. So you're kind of the editor in a way too. you know, yeah. you're the actor, right. Because you're working with the voice track. Um, you're shooting the shot, you know, like, is it an upshot, is it a downshot, is it a up is it a wide shot, you know, is it a pan, is it, you know, uh, so there's, those choices are sort of done um, initially by the storyboard artists, you know, and sort of directed by the director. Um, and uh, yeah, you'll, and ultimately sort of like, okay, you decide on something, to, you know, with the editor and the director. Um, and so um, it's 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 kind of hard to explain, but it's a lot of things, right? So as a director, I, I, the main I, thing is storyboards.
0: Okay, so like, uh, okay, so like, the writer will be like, Batman drops down and kicks the joker in the nuts. Right. And you have to decide how that looks. Right. How is he dropping down? Right. What, what background is we, are we going to use? Is he hidden in the shadows when he drops down? All of that sort of thing.
2: Right. And there's an extra layer of that too, right? Which is basically, you know, the storytelling, like how do you, mm. how does he get into a situation where he drops down and he kicks the joker in the nuts? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because, a bad storyboard artist, right? Or or the, the most basic is you read the line, you draw the, <laughs> you draw the picture. <laughs> Do you know what mm, I mean? The yeah. most experienced ones are kind of like, you read the whole scene, you kind of understand contextually what is happening in the scene, what it needs to be as far as where you are in the story, where these characters are in their emotional development, you know what I mean? And then how yeah. are they like, kicking them in the nuts? You know what I mean? It <laughs> seems very simple. He <laughs> drops down and kicks them in the nuts, right? But is he doing it because... He just he's just doing it for you know because he's a jerk. Is he doing it because he yeah. hates him? Is he doing it because he's trying to get away? You know. Uh, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of sort of setup and a lot of things in story. It's you know what I mean again it's it's the storytelling telling tell, uh, elements of it. So well yeah.
1: that's cool. In in that respect, I think it's this is a prime time for us to kind of go look at all those parts that you were just saying because it seems like you're one of these people who came in with a proficiency and that is art and character design and storyboarding and stuff and you come in with that particular skill set and then you like i don't want to say transcend it but they start going okay you do that so well you could probably be very good at telling other people to do that and we could kind of use you in more departments than just your department because you're so great at that and you take into account everybody else's departments that's why your storyboards your character designs are so good so let's kind of take it back to the To the beginning, which one did you start in first, character designing or storyboarding and why, and sort of like, as you were in your art education, what pushed you towards one or the other?
2: Okay. See, that's, that's a great question. Um, because I think, um, hmm, I'm trying to figure out which way I should approach this from, Um,
0: i love this. this is how we can tell you're a good director because you're literally thinking about like okay what's mm-hmm. the most intelligent yeah, I, I, and efficient yeah. way to get here yeah
3: cool
2: i do it a lot to the point where it paralyzes me and so it basically goes against what i'm actually trying to do <laughs> uh, so I, i'll just go with me right because um uh, you know most, most kids right you, when you're young you don't you don't really know what you want to do right you just kind of know what you're interested in right so i like to draw and so i started in drawing right um parents obviously you know being you know immigrant asian parents you know their whole thing is especially being the the immigrant kind of i'm I'm generalizing right is is like you move to a a place to get a better opportunity right and a better opportunity Mm -hmm. for your family right so their thing their main thing is kind of like how do we get somewhere and make money and have a better life right and so for their kids they're kind of going like okay i'm going to try to like give them an opportunity to sort of you know get a leg up right so it's always but it you know it's always about i guess money and sort of profession and all that kind of stuff right um and so they didn't understand what the the you know the business of art is right Mm. because all they knew was basically uh you know who do i know is an artist they're fine artists right that's the only artist that they know right Mm -hmm. so you got to if you're going to be a successful fine artist you have to do paintings and you you put it in a gallery and you sell and that's how you that's an artist right Mm -hmm. so you know, obviously, there's the cold commercial art, right? It's it, as I think it's a lot more known now, especially with like social media and sort of, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? But back in the like, 80s and stuff like that, right? There's no internet. And so, um so I didn't know really what, what I wanted to do, right? I just knew I loved to draw. And so oh, what, like I could be a fashion designer, you know, I could be a fine artist, I could be, you know, a graphic designer. And so I had to stumble my way through things, right? And so I eventually sort of, you know, through a bunch of I don't know, just a little bit of exploring and all that kind of stuff, right? It just seemed like, oh, okay, you know, uh, I should be an illustrator. And so I studied illustration, right? But I loved Mm -hmm. comics. I loved, you know, watching animation. Um, And we are kind of poor, so we didn't really get much. I didn't have a video game machine stuff like that, but I liked video games, right? And so, but I never thought that, you know, I never really understood that that was a business, even though, duh, like somebody had to make it, right? Um, So I, I thought it was illustration, right? So I went into illustration, but at the time... Comics became really big, right? This was during the sort of, like, uh, 90s, the early 90s, right, when the image comics blew up. Mm -hmm. And it was, it blew up, like, really big. No, that
1: that was the time, honestly, man, if I can interject right here, that is the time Mm -hmm. that it got a lot of us, you know, because we're not that uh, much younger uh, than you, and we were right there, too. And it was, like, the first time you could tell your mom, you know, hey, look, somebody... Some of whom look like minorities mm. are getting hella paid, right? Because right. they are an integral cog in the machine of making comics, and comics are are experiencing this, you know, tulip war, whatever that thing was, when they were like mm. overvaluing tulips right, and overvaluing right, right, that right. stuff. They, right. they we we're right at this giant bubble. I can jump in this bubble and make money, mom. I, yeah. I remember giving my mom that speech, even though my drawings were crude as hell. I remember being like, and I remember going to a convent, convention, even then, um, George, uh John Byrne, when I was a kid, I talked to John Byrne when I was a child. So mm. that's already trauma. And John Byrne goes, uh, so John Byrne goes, you tell your mom. John Byrne made six hundred thousand dollars last <laughs> oh year. And he said it just like that. And I was like, oh my God, dude. Oh, so like man. yeah. It was yeah. the one time that you could kind of tell your mom, even an immigrant mom, maybe, hey, yeah. this is a real way to do something. So right, was that right. maybe the case or or what?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, um I felt like with my parents, right? I just had to prove it. Right. Yeah. But it definitely was something where, you know, I mean, I was just like, hey, you can actually make money in comics you know that's cool and, your parents so, sound um, supportive
0: my dad so, my dad was like so you want to do stand up comedy uh oh, you should probably be a mechanical engineer and i was like i, I don't think they're close at all
2: yeah no my <laughs> that's that's my dad too i mean, I, got, I remember my senior year well actually even like my, my freshman year in college you know it was kind of close to his work and we had to carpool and he would lecture me the whole time there the whole time oh. back about how art was a bad idea and i was oh, an
3: brutal
1: engineer.
2: yeah yeah so it's my dad's like your dad so
1: did you want to make your own comics or work for Marvel? I think that's an important, or or DC or whatever. what? Which one was it, or did, were you kind of a kid who wanted to do both?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I never, I mean, because even now, people, some people will ask me, like, what is your project? What's the thing that you want to work on? You know, and mm-hmm. I really don't have a project, you know, so I was never a kind of a guy that was like, again, I think it it, it maybe comes from the, the whole, like, maybe kind of, you know what I mean? It's just kind of, like you, you get in where you fit in type of
1: thing. Uh, right? yes. You
2: never, you never think that you're going to be the boss and you never think that you're going to be the one that's going to call the shots. So it's always like, okay, how do I sort of contribute and how do I be a, you know what I mean? Like like a good part in a machine, you know? Mm, yes. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I always thought that I would have to, you know, work for, for a company, you know? Um, and, uh, I don't know that, that kind of, and that starts getting into other kind of things but I think even now i, I know I'm struggling with that do you know what I mean that's sort of that the type of thinking because I think that's that's what I knew as far as like that's how life is gonna be and you just sort of that's the way it goes and you gotta like get used to it you know
0: i mean there's there's some bonuses to that I will say this like um I recently got a a, a real job um and uh when I say real job uh I deliver weed however <laughs> uh compared to jobs that i had before mm-hmm. uh it was uh it, it is way more real i have a paycheck i have a, an amount of money that i make um, right. i have a 401k like i've got i'm gonna have sick time you know like that sort of thing i've never i always tried to do stuff on my own just mm-hmm. weird small business stuff or or like uh sales or or you know something was pure um uh commission and mm-hmm. uh i gotta say Working for people way better. I love working for people. I love having, I love having a paycheck that comes in every month. Not saying I'm not trying to make cool, creative stuff. And we do this podcast and, and it does, you know, do, do some cool stuff for us. But like, like I also like the idea of having a paycheck that comes in every month. Um, and the job I'm doing is easy. And would I rather have a job doing this and, and making a paycheck? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that a paycheck isn't worth
2: doing cool work, and and you do pretty cool work. Yeah, and I I feel very lucky to be honest. You know, I mean, because a lot of like young artists, I uh, I tell them, you know, you should you know, especially when you're young, you should just go for it. You know, like go for your dreams, just do it because you you have the time to fail. You know, yeah, and you have the time, or I should say, you have the time to recover. You know, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. like. Wait until you're older before you sort of have to, you know, commit to like a, a you know, what I mean, like a maybe a job you don't love but it's it's, it's more secure, you know, because it, it's no joke. Because like, I'm getting older now and stuff, and I was talking to a friend who's like he works in the movie business, right? He's like a he works with a big director, right? And they have he has his own production company, and so it's a very small thing, but he worked. With this guy's really big, right? And so he's worked with him for his, his whole career, you know. For most mm. part, but we're the same age. And he was just talking about how, you know, um you know, he was they're on some sort of lot and he was talking to a guy that's you know, they worked with a lot. And the guy was just telling him, Hey, you know, I'm I'm gonna retire like in a couple of years. I've put my hours, whatever, and you know, I'm gonna get like a good, you know, amount of money back and all that kind of stuff, right? And it made him think about like, you know, I've worked basically in this independent thing with no four hundred one K, no or whatever, you know, I mean, for decades. I have no savings and I'm gonna be probably retiring in ten years. You know, and so it really made him kind of like think. Like so, I have a cousin too, who's a, like a civil engineer for the city and stuff like that. And his retirement is nuts. He basically, I think, gets—I can't remember if it's like eighty or one hundred percent his salary when he retires. He basically gets the same pay after he retires. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> Damn, you know, that's what we like, I should have done that. You know, <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, honestly, I mean, we we've, we've talked about the uh, on this podcast before, uh just hinted around at it, but like, it's like, dude, would you? would you um exchange working on these vibrant and hustling projects that are always on this teetering edge of falling apart but then you get to snatch you know victory from the jaws of defeat sometimes you get to make some artistic mark blah blah or just be like just you know a guy that goes to conventions and sells lug nuts or whatever and occasionally gets to go to like fiji and chill out and maybe you don't appreciate it on an artistic level but you can at least afford to get your ass there you know, w- yeah. w- would it be a fair exchange? And sometimes I think, yeah, I, I wish I sold lug nuts. Sometimes,
2: yeah, <laughs> I, I have that conversation with coworkers. You know, we we talk about sort of like you know, like working on these sh- these shows that, like you said, right? It's like you're, you're 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 hustling all the time. It's really hard. It's it takes you know, you're working like like sometimes twelve hours. Do you want know to I mean mm-hmm. and consistently? Right? And there's a, there's periods where we weren't leaving the office until like four in the morning. You know, Mm -hmm. and, um, and they still thought that you weren't working hard enough, you know, things like that, right? Um, but you're working on something you love, right? Or is it better to like, you know, like work on a preschool show, something that has like, you know, set camera angles, simple Mm designs, you know, simple colors, you know, um, you know, I'm not saying that's easy, but you can, you can get away with a nine to five. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But if you're working for these things that are sort of your quote unquote passion kind of things, whatever you're, you're trying to make it perfect, you know, as you can. Um, and so we had that discussion sort of like, you know, would you rather have the simpler one? You can have a family, you can have a, like a life type of thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> or would you, you want to work with the thing that you like love, you know, but it kills you, kind of, you know? Um, it's a so hard decision. It is. And again, it's like, I felt like when you're younger, you know what I mean? You do that. And we did that without knowing it sometimes,
3: yeah. you know? Um,
0: well, I did the road for, like, three years straight when I was, like, 28 to yeah. 31, basically, uh, doing yeah. stand-up, going, going to – driving to Oregon, then driving to Washington, then yeah. driving to Idaho, then driving to Montana. You know, like mm-hmm. – and uh, I – look, I'm glad I did all that. Got to say, not as cool as I thought it was what yeah. it was going to be. Like, <laughs> you know what
3: I mean? And it's uh, it I, is, right? Yeah,
0: you, you, your dream – the thing you think is your dream isn't necessarily really what you what you thought your dream was going to be. And that doesn't yeah. mean you can't have a great time doing what you're doing though. I had a blast doing the road. I made a ton of people right. laugh and I made enough money to pull off bills and rent for three years or so.
3: Yeah, so. yeah, yeah.
1: Well, no, but, but I was just going to say speaking of that though, when you are in the arts like you were in the beginning of your career, Sam, and you're doing like – whatever like i said I, I don't think we got an answer did you start in character design or in storyboards once you really got into the oh, industry but right, right, right. did you have a cup of yeah. coffee in comics as well i think i heard that on a thing i just kind of want to hear some of that stuff
2: you know it's it's funny because um so again just getting into art right i, just, I was just like i just want to draw and make money right and then i was like oh sweet comics is you know booming uh, mm-hmm. I could actually do comics, maybe and make it right. So I, I do comics, but I'm too slow, right? I'm, I'm not able to capitalize. I kind of came in at the tail end of image when it was starting to kind of mm-hmm. go down a little bit. You know? Still a lot of, you know, good, good money was being made, but again, it was on its decline, right? I think the whole image, you know, quote unquote image era, but obviously, obviously all the comic book companies benefited from that. Mm-hmm. Um, it only lasted like three years, mm-hmm. you know? And so it was a very short window and it was a, like a spike and it, and it maintained for a little bit, and then it just started to, like, really, like, decline, right? And so yeah. I was kind of during the decline, um, but even then I was just, like, I couldn't I couldn't hang in comics because I, I couldn't draw enough pages, right? Because you have to do 22 pages a month um, consistently. Um, mm-hmm. And again, like, just the business of it is, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like, you know, you have to kind of keep it going, right? To be a professional, you have to do basically a comic a month continuously um yeah. and if you fall behind whatever then you have to have a fill-in artist and all that kind of stuff and that kind of pisses off fans and stuff like that so uh, and some people they burn out like they can't keep it up mm-hmm. you know and so that's okay. sort of the reality and sort of the business of it but I was and really that, that
0: 22 pages is what really it's like you probably got to finish that in two weeks because then you got to send it in and they got to say oh do this do this do this right and then you got to finish that all that other stuff that they need you to fix. And then, you know, inking and blah, blah,
2: blah, and all that
0: other stuff. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's obviously in some sort of like rotation, right? Because it's like, ideally okay. you're supposed to have three books in the can before you look, like, you know, put out your first book, ah. kind of thing. you know I mean? So you, okay. you have that a little sense. Bit of a head start and that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think the standard was like, you have to do a page a day. Right. And so, um, yeah, I wasn't able to do it. Uh, and so I, uh, even though I was making good money, you know, per page that I was kind of doing, but I wasn't doing enough that I could actually make really a, you know, like a, a, a good li- a living, a decent mm-hmm. living. Um, and so I kind of fell into animation, um, because so after sort of putting out a book and doing like, you know, a couple of more, but not obviously being able to sort of be a consistent, uh, penciler. Um, another friend of mine who was in like a, a sister studio, um, you know, we would, cause we'd be up late at night, we'd be talking on the phone about how horrible comics is, you know, um, <laughs> and the grind of it. And he was like, Hey, I got this opportunity to work into animation. Uh, uh, like he has a friend who was a director and stuff like that. And there were, you know, Sony animation was starting up at the time and that they were, you know, looking for, they were, they're trying to find creative ways to sort of get people to kind of work. Right. And so they targeted comic book people, right? Or people mm-hmm. in comics. Um, and so he was kind of, He got an opportunity. He was just like, hey, you know, you should think about it or whatever. You know, it's like steady pay, you know, uh, probably more than you make right now per week. And, you know, you get health insurance, you know, and you get, you know, uh, pensions and things like like that. Right. And because comics is basically like if you have a bad working day, you don't get paid. Right. Because you have to turn the page and then you get the pay. Right. And so obviously when you work for a bigger corporation, you can sort of have bad days and good days and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It's not how you do that day. With, that means, whether you get paid or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got into. I'll try to make this short. I'm sorry, Ed. Like, no, that's <laughs> great! Uh, and I'll try to, <laughs> like, you know, keep on target. But yeah, this so is like, all gold. So I, um, you know, I, I had my doubts because animation was never in my radar, right? I thought animation was like you're in between, like you know, you're drawing, you know, um, you know, the Little Mermaid's head as it's turning. <laughs> like that. It sounded like, a nugget, you know, like I don't want to, yeah, that, right. But I didn't realize there's storyboarding and design and blah, 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 all this pre-production kind of stuff. I thought it was actually hands-on animation, which in between, right? Which I absolutely did not want to do.
0: Um, oh, you didn't so, want to draw the same head, but just a tiny bit different. Tiny bit, yeah, four hundred right. times. No, oh, okay. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And so I, I, anyways, I I ended up talking to like an art director, and the art director basically gave me some advice, and he said like, if you are an artist. And you had an opportunity to work in animation, I would advise everybody to work in animation for at least two years, because you're gonna like learn to draw fast. You're gonna learn to draw things that you, you know, never thought you would have to draw. Um, and it's great practice, you know. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna go into animation for a couple of years, you know, um, you know, save up some money, you know, um, and uh, maybe jump back into comics, right? But the thing that I sort of learned when I got into animation was that I I actually love storytelling more than I actually love physical app drawing. Um mm. So I end up staying in animation for about four and a half to five years. Right. Um, there's another kind of thing that happened in the industry where the basically like Pixar happened. And then the, you know, even the animation, the, the, the animation union was basically telling everybody 2d is going to die. Everybody needs to learn 3d because 3d is going to basically take over 2d and 2d is going to be extinct, you know? And so I didn't really love that as far as animation is concerned. Right. But Mm. I had a friend who worked in video games and they were kind of hiring again. There was, and there's, he was saying like, Hey, you should put your portfolio into video games because I'm kind of like, okay, uh, like I don't mind the 3d for video games, but for some reason I don't want to, you know, tell a story with the 3d, you know? Um, And so I I went to video games, but I still had some connections in comics. And so, you know, every once in a while I would get things like, Hey, can you, do an alternate cover or something like that. Can you do a pinup for instance? Right. So I would do my day in like video games and then I'd come home and I would like draw comics and I thought, Oh, that's the best thing. Right. I'd have an open deadline. I could just kind of work on it a little bit at a time. Right. But the mm-hmm. thing I realized when I would come home is like, I would, I would sit at the desk and I would look and I would, and I'd rough it out. Right. And that was fun for me. Right. Doing composition, drawing the characters, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Right. But when it came to actually tightening it up, I realized how much I hated it. Oh, I would actually sit there and I would like, you know, with my, because you rough it out, right. You Xerox it, you know, because it wasn't, you know, the, the computer stuff wasn't as, you know, whatever back in the mid nineties, you know, Um mm-hmm. and you'd have to light box it. And I'd be sitting there at my light box, just, you know, after I would draw it and I would have to go back and I would have to like spot the blacks and then I'd have to like do all the hatching because that was what's, what was popular. There the million <laughs> lines, you know, and I'm yep, just like, yep. like this, this is so tedious. I hate this. You know, I would think of, I would, rather clean than actually like sit here and draw these lines, you know? <laughs> and so I realized that I think I missed the animation. And so I went back into animation, and all that, you know? So, um, I guess just for me, again, it's just like, there's things that you kind of think that you kind of like, and then you got to do it. And then you kind of realize, Oh, this is what really it's about. Right. Cause I was lucky enough to work on the three things that I loved as a kid, right? Like animation, um, comics and uh, video games. Right. And all of them are not what it's cracked up to be. Um, mm-hmm. it's, there's a whole business behind it, right? It's like, you never mm-hmm. get like infinite time to actually, you know, make this beautiful, perfect sort of like, you know, epic story. Or something like that when those things like that happen, it's, it's pretty lucky. It's pretty rare. So yeah, I just kind of found out that, you know, there's a lot of sort of disappointment for me and kind of heartache, you know, as far as like, Oh, that's, that's really sad that, you know, like I, I love these comics, like, and I'm realizing how rare it is when, things like this happen you know because there's so many things in business that derail it you could start something and then all of a sudden the business why they decide that okay we're not we don't want to do it anymore or, something like that. or they put in a different creator and then all of a sudden the creators clash and then now it's become some frankenstein thing because you can't get on the same page or something like that you know or they decide they want to take it in a different direction or there's a fight where the maybe the penciler doesn't want to draw what the writer's doing doing exactly <laughs> so they maybe they mm-hmm. just don't care you know so yeah um, yeah so when like the marriage of sort of like you know and this happens obviously in all of it right any kind of creation right is like when you have like great people you know and they have like the same vision and there's a there's a great sort of chemistry and you know with them like great things happen right but again it's it's hard you know you can get I mean, the best people sometimes and it's just look there's a reason I understand to donors, you know <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> it's, there's no one to work with i could be friends right, with right. people but yeah. I don't have to do the actual art with anybody else. And, yeah. uh, sometimes I really enjoy that. But, you know, you also learned that, like, I guess the key is finding cool people that you work with. And I assume you've found some pretty rad people because you've made some awesome, you know, awesome stuff. So what is the teamwork stuff like? Like, how, how do you guys work that out when you're in the, in the midst of stuff?
2: It's, it's difficult, right? Because I think, again, it comes, and that's where the what the director is right. The, the director is like the the net, right? It's kind of like yeah. you have all these board artists, right? You have all these kind of things, right? And it's either the producer or it's the you know, it's, even though there's these different positions, right? It's it's kind of like um it's hard to tell sometimes who is actually carrying the load, right?
1: Well, okay, let me interject right here. I want to talk about this particular thing in direct relation to Batman: Soul of the Dragon. Because number one, I really fucking love that. I love it a lot. And two, you produced and directed that. So you are the net and then you're the net under the net <laughs> too. And, and So it seems like as a producer, it seems like you'd be hiring, as Ron was saying, you'd be trying to maybe pick some of your team. Would that be correct? And, you, and then you got to direct some of the people that you pick to work on the thing. Or is that, uh, am I off base on that?
2: Yeah. It's, again, it's it's never that glamorous, right? <laughs> um... And you also don't get
1: just, to just, right, uh, just you don't get to wait, just just uh, pick some Ocean's Eleven or
3: right, right. guys just go
1: shoot up the industry. <laughs> you don't get to do
3: that, <laughs> right? Right.
0: This is a, an original story, right? I, yes, I don't think it, I've read this in comics.
2: Yeah, it's it's an original story, and again, it's like even though I'm a producer, Bruce Tim is the executive producer, right? Mm, and, cool. And this is a Bruce Tim baby, so I'm I am not going to even pretend and take really any credit for it, right? Because fair as creatively, it is. And especially this one, like Bruce Timm has a, like a huge affinity for the 70s. I think those, that's he, the, those must've been like the, the best years of his life or something. Cause he, <laughs> he has a really fond fondness for the 70s. So um, this was totally his. Um, so, um, so as a sort of junior producer, right. Especially when you're working mm-hmm. with somebody like Bruce Timm, right. You're never going to be the main producer. Um, I had a little bit more sort of like, you know, uh, weight as far as like, you know, creatively modifying certain things, you know, or molding things, right? It's like when I, when you're a director for Bruce, usually it's just his way or the highway kind of thing, right? Mm. You follow his thing, right? You give it your best shot, whatever, and then it's just him hitting it, right? But, um, I've worked with him for so long, um, that, you know, I, I have a little bit more say and then being a, a, a producer or whatever, he kind of trusts me a little bit more. You know what I mean? Mm. It's still his thing, obviously. You know what I mean? He is the guy that sort of came up with the story. You know, um, you know him and the writer sort of like sort of fleshed it out, but I got in earlier on it, so I read the script and there were things that I had problems with, and we were able to sort of like push that around a little bit. You know what I mean? That's awesome. Um, so um, I had some control, but obviously not. I, I wasn't sort of like from the beginning. Right, this is his baby, but the boarding and all that kind of stuff. You know, the initial kind of, th- and a lot of times again, like in this TV animation, which is very different than feature. Right, feature is like you spend a lot of time basically. Redoing things and, sh- and playing in a different way, kind of thing. You know, you, you have a tent. You know, opportunities to sort of build it, look at it, rebuild it. You know, or tear it apart. You know, um, but in TV, it's like you build it, and eighty percent of it has to be there. You have to use eighty percent of it. You know, you can't just throw it all out and re whatever. You have to, <laughs> yeah. You have to sort of tweak it. You know, what I mean? but you have to use what's there. You know, um, so a lot of that sort of falls on the director to have a high. Batting average, basically. You know what I mean? To give you at least kind of good stuff for you to work with.
1: I mean, they gave you. I mean, dude, I just want to say, I've really tried hard this whole time not to fan out. I really have. <laughs> I've, I've been doing a yeoman's job. It's like Wolverine <laughs> control against Berserker rage. But
3: dude,
1: <laughs> you got to direct All Star Superman, if I'm not mistaken, and Batman Year One. These are That's altars right. for comic book fans to bow at. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I I just think it, it's the amount of trust you must have garnered through through this company and through your works to even to get to do those. I mean, it's it's pretty fantastic. So like, what what, what was there something special about doing those projects for you as a comic book fan, or was it just like ah, I gotta I gotta do my job, I gotta strap on the guns? You know, what, what was that like?
2: <laughs> you know, again, a lot of the times, a lot of sort of like, especially when you're sort of like a studio director. Um, especially in animation, right? It's just a job. It's like a conveyor belt thing, right? You're mm-hmm. next up. This is the next project that's up. You're attached to this. Do you know what I mean? Do you want it or do you not want it? You know, and most <laughs> of the time you're just like, I want to work, so you just take it, right? It's like, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Batman <laughs> so Year One. Okay, I've read that. I'll be there. Batman Year One actually was. I was supposed to move on to Green Lantern the Animated Series because again, oh. it's mm-hmm. a business kind of thing. But yeah. when Year One came up, I was just like, I, I got to work on that. You know, so I was able to sort of convince them to let me co-direct on it. You have a little wiggle room, but again, if it was like in the middle, because again, like I wanted to direct, you know, uh, Dark Knight Returns also, but I was firmly in uh, a Green Lantern, the animated series. Jay Oliva, who was on Young Justice, they had sort of finished their thing and he was sort of available. So they gave it to Jay and I was just like, hey, you know, like I don't even like be working on series. Like, why don't you, you know, why don't you offer it to me? You know, <laughs> And they were just like, <laughs> Bruce is never going to let you go from like, you know, because he was work He was the guy that was pre- Producing, uh, you know, uh, Green Lantern the animated series, you know, he's yeah. the producer on it, and so I, at least that's what they told me. You know, who, who knows if you would have cared or not, but but anyways, um, but a lot of it again is just time. You know, it's kind of like who's available. You know, um, and what projects is up next. You know, so um, someone is lucky. Like even so all sorts Star- like Super a Band. group
0: of directors, like a group of uh, of animation directors who work for DC. Animated features and then bam, or Warner Brothers, I guess, technically, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, cause, you know, it's a division, right? It's like yeah. the DC thing is, is Warner Brothers animation, but they're, they're the people that hired them or the money that comes in to basically, you know, shore up the deal to make these kind of things, right? Is Warner Home Video. It's Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. but it's a different department, right? Yeah. Okay. So there are basically, you know, the people that fund us to make these things, you
3: know, yeah. which is okay. different from
2: series, which is, you know what I mean? And it's different from HBO Max and uh, there's, there's other divisions where this comes from, you know, and again, it's the pipeline. thing. That's why there's two directors usually. Right. So they okay. can like the directing um employment length is longer than a storyboarder's length, right? Cause the storyboarders, Ooh. you're only here to basically storyboard it and then you have nothing to do. Right. Because then it goes to design and then it goes to color and then it goes to character stuff. Right. Yeah. Then it goes to editing and then it goes to, you know, getting animated. Then it comes back for post. Storyboard order is not part of that. So as a director, you have to sort of, you know, depending on the production. Right. But you have to at least see it through post, product, I mean, pre-production before it ships. Yeah. Right. And a storyboard artist is somewhere in there. Right. So um, so a lot of times what will happen is like the, the teams, they want to keep it. Right. So in order to keep them employed, they got to hop to another project. So there's usually two directors, right. And they overlap. It's like, my project is this. And then somewhere in between the other director will start and the team will just float to that. And then by the time this first director is done, they all kind of overlap. And then the team can float into that. Right. So it's a lot of Mm. scheduling. Animation series is, is closer to TV series, right. Versus like a T like a movie. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because a series is, you know, I'm walking dead and I have 13 episodes or whatever, I'm, whatever the thing is, yeah. you know, I'm Breaking Bad or whatever, and I have 20 whatever episodes or whatever it is, right? And so there's a a sort of like main, you know, writer that's on it, right? That understands like, okay, these, whatever it is, 13, 26, 10, whatever the number is, right? This is what the arc is going to be within it, right? And this is what's going to happen in episode one. This is what's going to happen to episode two, basically, three, blah, 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 the whole thing, right? They have it all mapped out, but they can't write all of it. So they yeah. have different writers, right? And they have different teams. Mm-hmm. On. So, like, you work on one, gonna... you're working on the second, then go. This, and the and the teams overlap each other. Do you know what I mean? So they can kind of keep this chain going. So when you're done, you know, you jump onto the fifth episode. Then when you're done with the fifth, you jump onto the tenth episode. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. just to keep it going because they want to put it out weekly or month, uh, whatever. It and is, efficient.
1: You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One um, thing I was going to ask you is. Um, Some of this is obviously sort of self-serving, although I I don't know that I'll ever be able to draw fast enough to draw anything other than my own comics Uh and my own storyboards for my own small films and stuff. I don't know. But uh, as someone who kind of likes that stuff and is sort of a nerd for that stuff, what what do you think was in your storyboards uh, when you were doing that that would show someone that this guy can – that he's got a vision that we don't have to tell him so much. We don't have to mess with this stuff so much. Was that it? Like, was, was there something, maybe what I'm getting at is what makes a great storyboard artist and, and how much easier do they make the director's life, especially in animation?
2: Um, Yeah. A great storyboard artist makes a director's life infinitely better. Right. Because, Mm -hmm. um, so it's two questions, right? So what makes a good storyboard artist, right. Is basically, because the storyboard artist is the cinematographer, you know the first pass at the cinematography, the editing, the acting, you mm-hmm. know, um, all that kind of stuff, right? The, yeah, the editing. Also sort of like writing in a way, right? Um, yep. Because again, it's, it's like the thing that I think I talked about in the beginning. It's like a lot of it, and it really depends on your director, who you're working for, right? Because if you're working for somebody that doesn't super care or they're like not you know really into story you just kind of do it and if it looks good you're, you're aces with them you know mm-hmm. um but then there's like i'm more of a story guy and there are other people that i work with and and again like i i i'm a, I'm a proponent of story right i think story is what really makes it and what attracts people right i, I think visual things that again some people i think the layman will say like oh that looks that movie successful because look how awesome that special effects were or look how awesome those explosions were or look how awesome that fight choreography is you know um, but to me I think it's really the story that resonates how these characters kind of interact what led to the, why the what the fight is for and then what you're fighting for or whatever and the the emotional ending you know what I mean I think that's yeah. is what sticks with people you know?
0: well let me tell you as a consumer because uh, I don't really do art I, I I'm here for the jokes oh. um, but um as a consumer of this stuff, like that's what gets me. I'm a bad nerd. I don't know a lot of people who drive, who draw stuff. I don't know a lot of the names of the authors and and writers and stuff like that, but I know stories. I remember every story I've read. So to me, that is the most important thing. Like I a hundred percent agree with you that that's, that's the thing that really sticks with people when it comes down to it. It's, it's not, it's not how cool Spider-Man looked swinging on a web it's the heartache that he goes through with uncle ben with gwen right. with you know mary jane and his inability to ever have a normal life or whatever that stuff that's the right, stuff right. that really hits people to me or yeah. and it def- definitely hits me so yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah I, so Totally. I was just, just going to say, so Sam, would you say that like when the storyboard artist is, you said something earlier about when Ron was talking about dropping the Batman, dropping down and kicking Joker in the nuts. Mm-hmm. um, You have to give it a reason why there, there's a reasoning or story reasoning. Would you say that a great storyboard artist like automatically thinks of those, like automatically thinks of those extra bits of acting for the yeah. characters to do yeah. and stuff like that?
2: Yeah. I mean, the basics for me, right? It's like if I'm if I'm looking for a storyboard artist, right? It's like, can you do, especially in the action and adventure space, right? Because obviously if it's comedy, then can you do, can you sell comedy well? Can you do mm-hmm. funny, you know, bits and all this stuff, right? For action and adventure and drama, right? I look for acting and I look for fighting, basically, right? Or,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and fighting can be hand-to-hand. It could be, you know, sword fighting. It could be like laser fights or whatever. You know what I mean? It's, um... It's like, if you're good at at least one of those things, you know, um, I could potentially use you if I, because part of it's casting also, right? It's kind of like, because some scenes are more acting heavy. Some, some scenes are like the end fight, right? You need somebody that's a really good sort of fight choreographer. So for me, those are generally the two kind of things I look for, right? If it's acting, I kind of look, can you sell emotion? Can you set up emotion? Can you set up a scene? You know, how are you sort of into the scene? How are you sort of navigating these characters? And when, and how do you bring them to the, that, them to that moment of emotional, whatever it is, you know, crisis, love, you know, the big moment emotionally, right? Yeah. And how are you selling me on that moment? You know, so that's what I look for. But, um, and also sort of your progression, like, you know, are you, are you building into the scene? You know what I mean? Or is the scene all over the place kind of thing? You know, um, also is clarity, you know, like, mm. Because it's just a bunch of headshots. I'm like, I have no idea where I'm at. Well, that's
1: one thing I was definitely going to ask about is, like, the people who don't know – have you run into people who don't know – basic? I think we were going to talk about this on a Spaces one day and the the damn Spaces cut off. But, like, (laughs) people who don't know basic perspective who feel as though they're going to be a a storyboard artist because they've seen, you know, the success stories of people who got out of comics – And went into storyboards as though it is somehow easier, which I don't have any proof of that, you know, Uh from all the stories I've heard. So it's Uh like there's this weird kind of pipeline of people who are just like, ah, man, if I kind of – they see maybe Martin Scorsese storyboards. I think they're going to get away with that on either a feature film with special effects or an animated thing. and That's just not so. And just basic – understanding a perspective is necessary in order to sell some of these emotions like you got to understand where your vanishing point is or whatever so that you can look down on them and show it accurately to where it kind of gives you the emotion instead of you thinking about how the perspective is wrong
2: yeah yeah i mean i i definitely think so right because those are these are all tools right and again even just in the film language or like live action kind of thing right like well, if you're saying like an upshot or a downshot right they make you feel something Right. If it's really mm-hmm. wide, it makes you feel something. If it's really close, it makes you feel something, you know? Um, and so it, it, it's all about like Im- immersion, right? It's, it's immersing you it's drawing you into the story and keeping you there, right? So you're following your story, basically, right? Um, and especially if you talk, you're, you know, you're doing like a dramatic story or something like that, right? And you're, and you're trying to, because if you're trying to tell a story or have a character arc, you know, it, if they're not paying attention, you're going to miss how it connects together. <laughs> you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so um, I think our jobs a lot of time, you know, uh, as visual storytellers, right. Is to kind of keep people, I, I look at it as a roller coaster, right. You got to keep them on the track, right. It's like, if it's too bumpy and, they're, 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 and the cart's not even on the track anymore or whatever, you, you've lost your audience. Mm-hmm. right. So I think all these things are tools and they help you with it. Right. Because a lot of comedy, you're not using a lot of like extreme perspective type of things you know, because it just plays better, usually flatter.
1: Right? Yeah.
2: And so, you know, in, in comedy, you don't need to know extreme upshots or extreme downshots, you know? I mean, because they just don't use it. You know, they mm. might once in a while, mm. but 99.9% of the time, it, it's just going to be some sort of flat shot, whether it's closer or wide or medium, you know? Um, And a lot of it has to do more with sort of like, you know, the acting of it, the physicalness of it. But I think in, Um, dramatic storytelling, you know, in action adventure, I think, you know, perspective is really, really important.
0: I don't even understand how that works at all. Um, I tried to draw (laughs) things. um, From the time I tried to draw a shark, it looked like uh, Canada. So (laughs) it was good. Um, And far away Canada, one fin looked bigger than the other. I don't know. Nothing. (laughs) Some an accidental perspective going on are those teeth or a mountain i'm not sure it's, you know it's
1: cubism man i told you just tell them it's cubism and you'll get away with everything baby nice um do you have anything that you're more i don't know about more proud of but things that you're closer to because of their their means that they get a person part of your life or something because i watched your got them by gaslight and i really like enjoyed the fact that it was kind of like mike mignola but of course, because it's animation, it has to be something at once simpler and more complex than, than Mike Mignola drawings. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that was like a weird, interesting challenge to me to try to get a little bit of his style, his sort of square fingered style in there, but also have a little, of probably Bruce Tim and probably some of these other people who are more softer stylists. What was that experience like?
2: Yeah. Um, I think the Mike Mignola thing comes up a lot, obviously, right? Because, um you know, he's got such a distinctive style and a lot of people are kind of like wanting that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, it's just the the honest answer to me again, is just that we just really don't have the time and the money to really do it correctly. Right. Um, a lot of times when we build this too, we have to rely on reuse a lot. Right. Because these movies are really difficult. And that's, that's why like James Tucker, who there's a, you know, um, you know, the ones that kind of look like new 52 type of style, or there's like the consistent mm. style, right? And I've done yeah. like quite a few of those as well. Mm-hmm. Um That was in the hopes of kind of like just minimizing the brunt of creating a whole new world every single time, right? Because it's like, mm. you, you want to do Gotham by Gaslight and you're like, okay, you, you create this whole world like from scratch. Mm. All the characters from scratch, from background, like, you know, the, the 50 background women and the 50 gra- background men with top hats and stuff like that. And the 10 babies and the dogs <laughs> and whatever. Right. Just to make one project that's going to be done in like less than a year. Right. And then yeah. all, then all of a sudden that, that gets packed away. You can't use it again. You know, or maybe some shows kind of like it. They could kind of pick and choose from it. You know, I mean, we do a lot of sort of repurposing and you know, a lot of, so it's first of all, even if we got like a perfect model packed, right our budgets aren't big enough where we can get the best animation studios. Hmm. Do it. Right. So again, it's like, even within an animation studio, you're lucky if they have like, you know, like they're, you're allowed to get like three amazing animators. Right. And then the rest of them, just because of the tiers of how they kind of have to spend their money, you have a lot of sort of middle of the road animators and you have a lot of like junior animators, you know, because, yeah, you know, you need to do that. Right. Right. Because again, it's just money. It's like, Yes, if you give them like amazing, amazing money, you know, again, even that is weird because again, even in theory, again, it's like, are these amazing animators available? You know, it's this, it's the same thing as the story of, of crewing up. We're having a huge, like a really horrible time crewing up because animation is huge right now. Like, you know, everybody's doing animation, you know, Amazon, Netflix, um, you know, DreamWorks, uh, you know, Disney, you know, especially with, they, they now have their streaming services, they're trying to like, Great, you know, other projects and stuff. So everything, everybody and everything is spread out very thin. Um, so, um, the, it's, it's great for the industry in a way because a lot of people are getting opportunities, right? To advance, you know, you get mm. some skill, but, you know, I don't want to sound like an old curmudgeon, like that. but some people aren't quite ready yet, you know, but they're getting an yeah. the opportunity, right? And so sometimes, yeah, you're going to get people that are just kind of like, yes, they were totally, you know, they got their opportunity and they were, they were ready and they are shy. Right? But there's a lot of people too that they are failing miserably. Right? Because they're just not ready. Um
0: so And that's kind of a bummer for everybody there because that person really needs to be put in a position to be able to be successful where they're at currently so that they can move up naturally. Yeah. Um I, I see this happens with stand up a lot of times. Like, um here's a, a secret. Uh you know you know you you heard a dat fan? He's the guy who won uh, Last Comic Standing the first time it, it, it came out?
2: Oh, no, I, I haven't. I'm sorry. I'm not.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. It, it's, it's not necessary. He's not that famous, but uh, but he's somewhat famous. And, and here's the thing. When he won Last Comic Standing, he had 20 minutes of material. Now, mm-hmm. as a comedian, you got to have at least an hour to headline. And I mean, uh-huh. at least. You yeah. really should probably have an hour and a half to, like, an hour 45 so that you can do, like, a lot of different sets, right? Mm-hmm but he wasn't ready to be a headliner at the time. And he had to write his ass off and it, yeah. but it was not good for him at, for a while. Like right. it would have been better for him to feature and then win last comic standing, but it just turned out the way it did. Right. So, right. you know, that's, that's just one of those things that can like, can kind of bite you in the ass. That's, that's totally interesting. Um, And, but how do you know when you're ready? Like, I, I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're a good artist, but you're not, completely ready or not fast or what is it that what does it mean to be ready
1: well maybe we could focus it on Sam by saying what when did you feel like you were but be, not yep. better than storyboarding or greater than but when did you feel like people were gonna hire you for stuff other than storyboarding more higher up jobs what what was your first like this is you know I I'm not storyboarding anymore I have this other responsibility job how, how did that pro- career prog- progression go because I don't even know how how that works
2: yeah, you know, it's, I've been, on one hand, obviously, I, I, I've I been extremely lucky, right? Um, because I've only worked at really two studios, right? Which is Sony and Warner Brothers. And I was there for and each of them, you know, for kind of long stints, you know, and I just sort of grew up with the system, right? Because Sony was so new, I, I became a director in a year, you know? Um, but but it's because of necessity, you know what I mean? And that's kind of what we
1: were just talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That just, you know, just sort of the time you were there at the right time. Right. Right. And talented, but there certainly.
2: Yeah. But you know, you, you, you get the opportunity and you, you hope you learn it quick. (laughs) That guy you're talking about, right. It's like, you get the opportunity. Like if you're just kind of like, I've made it and you know, I'm just going to, Like relax now because I made it. Um, no, it's like, you gotta like, you know, what do they say? It's like, it's easy to get a job, but it's hard to keep a job, right? Yep. So Mm. it's like, you gotta make sure you can keep your job, you know? Um, and then once you do that, you kind of try to prove to them that you can, you're ready for the next job, you know, or the one that's above whatever the next level is, right? Um, so part of it too is like, you just, you gotta kind of, you kinda of have to ask for it sometimes, you know, I mean? or you have to search for it. You know, you have to sort of demand it a little bit, right? So it's it's always a really difficult kind of thing, right? Because styles can change, right? Because like say in comedy, right? Like it's kinda of like, Oh, maybe you're yeah. good at this kind of thing, but then like people don't like those types of jokes anymore. So now you gotta do something else and you're like, Well damn, I can't use anything now. You know what I mean? I gotta like <laughs> move myself, yep. you know? Uh, it's the same thing with art, obviously, right? It's the same thing with tech. It's the same thing with you know, jobs are disappearing and New jobs are that didn't exist, you know what I mean, in history, um, are forming now. You know, um, so I I don't know tech, entertainment, all the kinds. Of, it's consumerism, right? It's kind of like it's always about what you know. How do you sell to basically the consumers?
1: Yeah, huh. huh? Yeah, how can you present them with something that at least seems like art, but is mostly just there to fill that that void? I think I think it's kind of interesting though how you seem to. Uh, I kind of want to talk about a little bit of your art because I see on your Instagram, you still do art right now. Is it the fact like, is it freeing that your drawings don't have to have any particular purpose because you're, you know, the way that you have (laughs) medical insurance is not because of how good your drawings are or how long you took on them or anything like that. Is that freeing on some level to like, just do your own personal work?
2: Um, you know, there's some people that like, they, they just love to draw, right? And I have obviously friends that, that, that always draw, you know? It seems like whether they're getting paid or they're not getting paid, they just, they just like to draw, you know? Um, yeah. I don't think I'm like that. You know, I, I kind of draw because I, I, I wanna, I don't know. It's, it's like if I have time, you know what I mean? I kind of want to see if I could still remember things sometimes, you know what I mean? <laughs> or, or there's certain things that I kind of feel there's a deficiency and I want to, I want to try to sort of, you know, let me just kind of do that and explore it a little. Cause right. Cause when I'm storyboarding now, I, I, I very rarely get anything past a rough, right? Sometimes it gets, becomes a tight rough. Um, but it's like things that you would, I would never draw like the inner side of an ear in animation. <laughs> yeah.
3: You know what yeah. I mean?
2: And so, Sometimes I'm kind of like, well, let me get in there and see what that kind of feels like. But then sometimes it gets lost in like, oh, now I hate the composition or now like, oh, this leg doesn't work. And then I start, you know, just trying to make it look okay. You know what I mean? Um, So, I mean, if I'm honest again, I, I don't think I love drawing. Well,
1: like you did say, uh, it's like more about loving storytelling. So in that spirit, um, we we had trouble kind of nailing you down for what you wanted to nominate as the greatest. Because by your own estimation, it's just like, man, I'm jaded, dude. I didn't see everything. So I think it'd be good to talk about some of the things that kind of got you where you are. We've talked about all the brass tacks of the job. But what was the little little Sam? What did little Sam like? Because I I think you and I come from very similar generations and, and Ron as well. But you and I are like art nerds. So I see a little bit of Jason Pearson and the oh, stuff that you do. That's funny that you say that. Specifically. So let's kind of talk about some jazz like that as we round out the conversation. Some of the inspirations of, of your life that kind of got you here. And I, I think – I'm not saying you want to put that on Jason Pearson, but I remember reading his Savage Dragon stuff and yeah. stuff earlier than that and the Gaijin. And
2: it's just yeah. it's just great. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's funny because like, yeah, Jason, he's a character. Right.
3: Yeah. Yep. And, yep.
2: And I met him when he was kind of like on his rise. Right. Uh, I was introduced to him by this guy named uh, Dave Williams. Um, mm. And, you know, he's a, he's a amazing, you know, Was uh, it back supporter. at Image? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah he's sort of, he was super talented, but again, he was a, a big character himself. Right. But he was really talented he knew a lot of people. Right. And so he introduced, I like think me and a couple of other like kind of young artists to uh, Jason Pearson, right? And Jason Pearson was kind of on the rise at the time. I think he was working on Legion with uh, uh, Keith Giffen. Nice. And um, and Jason was cool to me, actually. You know what I mean? And I think he thought I was kind of talented and all that kind of stuff, right? And so, you know, he was open to me, like calling him or, you know, uh, if I kind of needed any advice or any of that kind of stuff, right? Um, and so, yeah, I, I really dug his work, you know, out, even outside of meeting him. I, mean, I kind of, I feel like I was introduced to his work because, you know, I, I was like a rich kid and I could just like read every comic or get every comic. Um, I sort of just went to what I knew and then I, I, I read them, right? Um, but when I saw his work, I, I, I really, really yeah loved his work, you know, and I was kind of tr- sort of trying to, I mean, I, I, I'm not good at imitating people, but I was kind of trying to like, you know, put some of his stuff into my work. You know, or, and so yeah, Jason was was one of those guys for me. Like his body bags work, like was just,
1: yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Wow. Well, Pearson, Pearson, Delfries, some of these people who draw yeah. like so sharp, yeah, it's like their drawings could cut your hand off if you yeah. try touch a touch yeah. an original page. They're very they're very sharp, and it's like that angularity kind of takes you to this other world. It makes it kind of like that that show arcane. Mm. Have uh, you seen that? Like yeah, just, yeah, yeah. sort of just stylized enough in Jason Pearson's world, hips are like weird boxes. Yeah, like he 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 keeps yeah, them almost uh, like uh, like the. But then he's all, but he's that's how he's articulating the pelvis.
3: Yeah,
1: and he just it, he's got this visual language that is so awesome. His covers, his covers, I mean, him and Dave Johnson to me are the are some of the, are two of the greatest cover artists, and and, and Michael Golden mm. are two of the three of the greatest cover artists I've ever seen in my whole life. Yeah. And it's because of that precise technical line that you can see and, and the beautiful colors that you can see from far away, you yeah. know, and then just know that notice that distinctiveness. You got any other like art art heroes that you grew up with that you were like, ah, damn, I can't believe I met this guy or like, you know, or or other comic book people that really inspired you when you were a kid.
2: You know, it's weird. It's like what they say, like never meet your heroes kind of thing. Like- <laughs> You know, again, I'm a sh- I was a shy kid. Do you know what I mean? That was kind of introverted. You know what I mean, and like not yeah. like a big personality guy. You know that image era, like going to cons and all that, like really kind of scarred me, to be honest. You know, what I mean? because there's so many egos and so many people just like jockeying for position. You know, there was mm. it's like you they meet each other and they're like they're trying to establish a pecking order. Mm. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of like sort of like a lot of like males like you know what I mean like a aggressiveness that was kind of happening you know um
1: which is funny to think about that like like comic book artists treating each other like jocks when the jocks treated them like little uh, guesses themselves it's it's, it's just
2: hilarious i'm gonna i would because i'm yeah i'm gonna go on this whole kind of thing about it which i I shouldn't you know but it's (laughs) it's like these like you draw in your basement do you know what I mean? For most of the year, you go to this convention, all of a sudden you're like a, a rock star or something like that, and you're just acting like an idiot, you know? <laughs> and you think that you can like fight people and you can like beat people up. I'm like, you draw comics. You know? Like just bra- breaking
1: your drawing hand at a fight right. at, at at a rumble at a convention. It's like somebody got hit with an Eisner award. You know, it's like I got
3: it.
2: It's I don't know, it's it's it, again, it's it's very sort of Lord of the Flies-ish somehow, you know what I mean? It's, it's very juvenile. It, 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 it's
0: it's a bummer because, well, you know, people get so competitive in everything we do, mm-hmm. and I guess that's part of, like, I guess, capitalistic culture. But, like, it's interesting because you talked about teamwork and how important it is in making animation and illustration and art in general, and it's like, like who's got to be big dog. We all got to work together to make this cool thing happen. So yeah, yeah. figure it out and start being nice to each other guys. Like it's, right.
1: it's, oh, it's even just going to work com- better. Even on the comic book tip though, it's like all the studios that really did a bunch of stuff and were really successful. Like I remember continuity studios back in the days, I obviously was not there, but I've read so much about them. They just like, we, we as a studio got to get this done. Mm-hmm. So like, we're gonna team together and become the crusty bunkers and we're gonna we're gonna totally um ink this issue of Avengers in two days because one of our homies needs help and we'll right. band together to help and it seemed like when they when all of their books started getting behind not all image people and when you did not say anything about them being bad or nothing like that but like when when those companies as a, as a whole started getting behind it was like where's the crusty bunkers aspect yeah. like where's the <laughs> where's the help each other to stay on track like let's draw a couple pages that I'll ghost you on this we can do this let's, let's work it out and get our books out on time so we can all have ferrari money yeah. you know what i mean
2: oh there was definitely that because there was a lot of people in these series systems that that was their job yeah I mean, to put in backgrounds to sort of ghost help ghost people kind of a thing you know what i mean yeah um, and they got paid well you know i mean yeah um, especially those these top tier kind of ones there's different levels of sort of this production yeah,
1: yeah, just delegation of duties to to get something out on time.
2: Yeah, yeah, and so I don't, I don't think it's a secret or something. like that But like you, and Jim Lee, right? Like like Scott Williams would sort of put in like a lot of his backgrounds and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. um and yeah, there's a lot of people in you know the studios or whatever they they would do the characters and stuff like that, and they would have some somebody that would just put in the backgrounds for them. You know, I, I know a handful of guys that were like that. You know, um but you know, again, it's it's sort of the business of it. You know. Um. Again, it's not like Jim Lee doesn't know how to draw backgrounds, but again, it's for an efficiency kind of
1: thing.
3: Yeah.
2: And because I was slow too, um, I mean, I had an offer from somebody that you know that knew people at Marvel, right? And they're just going like, "Look, like, like we've, we'll we'll get in as a group, you know." And I think this is for Cable, right? Which was a mm. big book at the time, right? And yeah. so they were saying like, "But they like your work, you know. We could do Cable, you know." And it was just like, "Look, let's just take the job." You, you know, do what you can, you know, and I'll, I'll just like finish the rest for you, you know. Yeah. And, and I, and I didn't feel good about that. I was just kind of like, I, I, I would feel like a fraud, you know. <laughs> and, mm. and
1: especially so. if you guys got super popular, but like, oh, Sam Lou's killing it on these backgrounds, right, and right. all the guns are really good, and the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and <it's just> like, <laughs> the perspective is aces. Right. To hire him to draw spaceship battles and stuff.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, it's it's a weird thing—the whole business of it. You know what I mean? It's it's not it's not what everybody thinks it is. You know what I mean? There's yeah, there's stuff going on. You know?
0: Oh yeah, you don't just draw
1: things. You know, <laughs> draw things. <laughs> I just, well, I mean, but back in the days, you don't understand. The, I, mean, I mean, well, all of us here understand because we used to read comic books. But like as a kid, it's just like uh, well, for me and Ron, when we were kids and trying to become stand-ups, we were sold this dream that like. The comics show up at the club and they all laugh together mm-hmm. and they even change mm-hmm. in the same locker room. There were right. like movies that would have a locker room for comedians that like lock their shit up like they're strippers or football players. Right. And, and there's this community and we all go out and do our sets and all this kind of stuff. I remember seeing uh, funny people and there was an open mic yeah. at the Comedy and Magic Club, which is a club that like Jay Leno would go to work out. Mm-hmm. Seinfeld would go to work out like in no way did they have an open mic and no way if you were like a one or two year comic were you ever going to get on that stage and it uh, took me uh. out of the movie because that's not how comedy works but just like that back in you know Stan sold us and uh, you know people older than me on ah oh, we got a bunch we got a bullpen full of people we got Marie Severin and she's right next to, to uh, John Brasima and he's having a wrestling match with John Romita uh, and they're all having fun uh, and it's never that way I guess <laughs> I guess that's never how anything is
3: yeah I, I- I mean,
2: I mean, I'm, I'm sure in some cases it's like that. You know, in some places and stuff like that. You know, I'm not saying it all because there's people, there's fast people, right? They can do like two comics a month, right? Mm-hmm. They're just, they're just fast. Like John Byrne is one of those guys, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but I'm just saying it's like there, but it's not everybody's like a John Byrne. Not everybody's even like a, you know, there's some people that it's kind of like, there's a lot of support that that person's having in order to put that book out. You know, yeah. so again, I, I'm, I'm just saying it's it's a it's a broad spectrum of stuff, and some of the some people, again, it's sometimes it's not even it, it, because it's it's for the sake of sort of getting your book out. Do you know what I mean? This is like mm-hmm. sure, like again, like Jim Lee can draw backwards; he can draw everything. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But again, in the interest of sort of like me putting out more stuff, you know what I mean? I'm getting help to do it, you know, or against, mm-hmm. or sometimes it. You I don't have really to want be to be exactly. Because it sounds interesting because.
0: Story, but, oh, sorry, go ahead.
2: Oh, no, it's, it's just that I like, I just know that inkers sometimes help. <laughs> yeah. Stuff, right? You're just indicating oh. some things and they'll just kind of do it.
1: Yeah, Big John, people love uh, John Bershima, but John Bersima would hand your ass some cave drawings sometimes, but they'd be the best cave drawings you ever saw in right. your whole life. Right. And the, the, the tilt, you know, the, the, uh, the, I guess they call it, there's a guy who does force drawing, the force. Of of the characters, the twist is there, the the whole gesture's there, and if you're pretty good, if you're Tom Palmer, certainly, or Alfredo Alcala, yeah. you know how to get down on that shit yeah. to to make it good because he's giving you all the information that you need. So, uh, but uh, the, I want to put you on the spot your your top five comic book artists went from when you were a kid. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm gonna put you on the spot I got to it because, because number one it's great radio to pe- see people suffer and again I, as we round out here I just want to get some of your influences uh, because okay. I think it's important for people to understand that we are the sum total of our influences no matter what job we do and your job is to influence others you know what <laughs> I mean <laughs> to to accomplish these, these things you're trying to do
2: yeah I mean you know Jim Lee has to be one of them mm-hmm. you know what I mean? yep. because even though he's like a, a, a popular pick you know, because it's so, you know, big, right? But he was somebody that I love. I loved, you know I mean? Like, I, I couldn't wait to sort of look at his work, right? Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I mean, Jason Pearson was one of the ones that basically, you know, I, I looked through his work a lot, you know? Because um, I'm trying to think of, like, sort of the non-potentially obvious kind of ones, you know? I mean, because... Brian well, still did have a ton of work, but I loved his work
1: too, you know? Yeah. Well, the only reason why Jim Lee is, is obvious is he is like A, so loved, B, so popular, and uh, C, so multi-talented. But I think what's interesting about him is he – I saw him get better too. You know what I mean? I, I read those first Alpha Flights that – he. I mean not at the time, but I've seen him in back issues and stuff. And I was a very ardent Punisher War Journal reader. And I got to see him finishing Carl Potts' breakdowns. Yeah. And I started to see how Jim Lee took over more and more and more and started really inking it like he would want to do it, almost like how Mark Tashera would ink stuff. It's just mm-hmm. like, or, or, or Bill Sakevich would ink stuff. It's like, motherfucker, this is mine now. Yeah, you yeah. gave me the drawing, but my style is all over this now. Right, and I right saw right. him doing more and more of that. And then next thing you knew, he was drawing, uh, Punisher versus Wolverine. And it was like the first time I think I'd seen him draw Wolverine. And I was like, oh, his Wolverine is maybe the best Wolverine I've ever <laughs> right. seen. Yeah. And his Punisher was one of the best Punishers. It was basically the best Punisher I've ever seen. Yeah. People don't talk about that. But Jim Lee probably drew the best Punisher that there ever was. So it's like he could he can draw his ass off and he's left indelible prints on so many characters. So yeah, it's, it's it not was, obvious. There were
2: these I, – I never saw his like Punisher books, but there was these copies of his – these pages that supposedly were unpublished of his pun, some punisher work that he had done. And just the way he was like spotting blacks, which wasn't exactly the crosshatch kind of thing that we all kind of know mm-hmm. from the nineties. The it was more sort of like spotted, like the, it's almost organic. Like the way it was like mm-hmm. blacks were spotted, it was just, I don't know, it was, it was amazing when he inks
1: himself it's a whole different beast i mean obviously right. scott williams is a great collaborator and has has done him a solid forever yeah. and they establish a great look together but like when jim lee is solo it's some ill shit yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's really and it is like you said more organic yeah, it, yeah. it's a, it's slightly more organic so if we and have it jim like, lee like looks like
0: human arms you're like that looks like a like how does that have skin how did you do that <laughs>
1: Yeah. But still, it's, it still looks like him, though, like a real stylized thing. But it's yeah. like his style takes you into his world. So besides Jim and I guess uh, Jason and uh, Stell Freeze, that's three.
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, Barry Windsor Smith, you know.
1: I nice mean, choice.
2: Nice like, pull. He, he's pissed up. Amazed me, you know. Um, I mean, cause it, there's like other ones that sort of. The weird thing of it is I, I kind of feel like there's. There's like a, a, a like a polish art that I like, but I think the thing that really resonates with me is a little bit of what that what Jim Lee had done, right? It's it's like there's a there's an impressionism that happens, you know what I mean? With mm-hmm. a naturalness of I think of like old like you know Frank Robbins or like you know um, like Alex Raymond, you know, like the way the, bo- nice. the blacks are spotted with like like a brush, you know, and there's a right like a sumi quality about it or something like that, you know, what I mean, where it's mm-hmm. like the trailing of of a brush or something like that, you know what I mean? But it, it holds together with, it's like a big thing of a brush, but just with these extra like fine lines that define a detail or something like that. Like that's the always amazed me, you know? Um So, but, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's I, I never could find an artist that sort of did that sort of consistently, consistently, you know what I mean? That was in American comics. But again, the, the ones that, I don't know because there's a lot of this, there's there's a lot that I'm forgetting. I think too.
1: Oh yeah, I, I definitely put you on the spot, but you pulled some great some great pulls. Um, yeah. If if you wanted to say uh, uh, one of those people, Alex Raymond, Al Williamson, some of these guys that have those those, they could do like you see them. They're inking with a brush, and it's just thick to thin, thick to thin. Yeah, they can yeah. do the brush is theirs to command, and it doesn't yeah. really matter. They don't need a pen. Right. To, to draw, they don't need a pen to draw a sword or an M sixty machine gun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but Paul Smith was another one. I have to mention Paul Smith as well. Yes, yes. Because you know, I, I I really started collecting X Men when Paul Smith's run was on it, and it made me want to get that book like every week or every well, month. You know?
1: It's funny because didn't he and Barry uh, kind of overlap? So, I mean, because Paul Smith's run wasn't that long, but it was certainly influential. And then Barry Windsor Smith would pop in every now and again and do like an issue with Storm, you know, and
2: then kind of go away. I think it was later because I kind of feel – I feel like it was was John Byrne and then um, Paul Smith, right? And then I think John Romita took over.
1: Yeah, J.R., J.R., right? Yeah.
2: And then I think like for some reason I'm remembering the – um, Barry Windsor Smith stuff, kind of happening around the John Romita, the Mark Silvestri ish. I, I don't know. I yeah, yeah, no, so, somewhere. Getting,
1: in, it, yeah. No, yeah, in in that era, yeah, that's basically the progression. Yeah, Mark Mark Silvestri is my guy, man. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know that um, I'm as big a fan of his as like other maybe like Neil Adams or Frank Frazetta or something like that. Like these people are just titans. You can't even compare yourself to people like that. But like yeah. Mark Silvestri, I his drawing on Wolverine and X-Men when I was a kid, like that was, I felt that the way that you feel about Paul Smith, I felt that about Mark Silvestri. I was like, this guy is the greatest because his Colossus was the best. Him and Art Adams and Jim Lee, I'd say to me have a three-way tie of drawing the best Colossus. And those are some, he was one of my favorite characters to see just because he had such an interesting look.
2: Yeah. Wow. Cause Colossus was like one of my favorite X-Men. Um, and I'm trying to figure out who my favorite. <laughs> you know, person... I mean, I
1: John up. Byrne might be the best one of all times, though. I mean, he really. I mean, because yeah. Dave Cockrum drew a great one, but John Byrne made him look like steel.
2: Yeah, you know, and John Byrne gets a he's he's very underrated for me because I for some reason I I feel like I, I don't put him on my list, but I read a lot of his books, like his yes. Fantastic Four, like like I loved his Fantastic Four one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, like Walt Simonson too, like he did on, like, Thor, like, it, I I couldn't wait to pick that book up, you
1: know? Yeah. I mean, you know. Beta, he introduced Beta Ray Bill in the first issue that he ever did of Thor.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. That's fucking I know, that's, that's crazy, right? <laughs> and,
2: <laughs> and, dude,
1: and the first thing he did was be like, you know what, Don Blake, fuck that shit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think that's dumb. You know what I mean? He just came yeah. on, like, gangbusters, and, like, I could, I could see, like, somebody like Jim Lee, looking in the in in the wings looking at something like that being like yeah if i ever get fantastic four yeah. you know i'll just do this i'll do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know these guys who just come in with this brazenness and i gotta say you're like the antithesis of that you seem so calm and collected and i think <laughs> that's why they give you all, all this responsibility because somebody like me i'd spaz the fuck out i'd be like i'd be looking at a superman animatic and just spaz out and i think no. you just could see the job and i think that's why they trust you man
2: no, I, I mean, I, I'm all full of nerves. I mean, I'm, I have like so many neuroses and things like that. You know, like, you know, they'll like. I, sometimes I get questions about, you know, oh, what's it like working on sort of such a classic? You know what I mean? Like, and I'm just like, you know, I just don't think about it because I think I'd freak out if I actually, you know, realize what I'm doing. I'm just yes. kind of looking at the job and you know what I mean, just trying to do the job. So,
0: oh, you mean what? what's it like taking the one of the most <laughs> beloved. Uh, runs of Batman in all existence and putting it on an animation for a bunch of fans who want to murder everybody if they change the slightest thing. Oh yeah. no, not not nerve wracking at all. It's perfect. I love it. It's actually one of my favorite things to do. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah my pulse so, number got over one hundred.
0: So, so in that uh, in that vein, uh, if there was something you could work on, like pie to pie, sky, pie in the sky, limitless money. Uh, animation-wise, what what do you think you would like to work
3: on? Have you ever thought about that? You know, I, I, it kind of
2: it kind of goes back to I don't know the thing that I always say, right? It's and I don't, at this point because I've been saying it since I feel like you know like the early two thousands, late nineties, and stuff like that. It's it's Sandman, right? Um, but even as I'm older right now, I don't really know what that would feel like you know i mean i think at the time i was just such a fan of it because it was it was the book that i collected when i was in college you know i mean that that that's the staple there's a lot of things that i collected because artists you know or you know um things would come and go for me you know but Mm -hmm. sandman was the staple that i i like would always buy um and I, I said that I kind of feel like in the nineties, just because I thought it would never get done. Right. And so this kind of goes to what you were saying, Ed. Like the one that's the most personal for me is that that death short that I did, you know, mm. um, that I never thought that in my lifetime it would ever happen, you know, um, that oh, I'd get to work on, you know, a Neil Gaiman, you know, Sandman universe thing, you know, um, mm.
1: it seems like that is just such an infinite sandbox. That it is an easy thing to say, but okay. So maybe if you didn't have to say that, what would you say? Because because now they've got the Netflix show coming out. Yeah. You know. Have you ever have you ever dabbled in live action? You want to you want to jump ship and go see if you can work on that?
2: <laughs> I, I gotta tell you though, because like those stories are really hard. You know, mm-hmm. even working on yeah. it like that that short. You know, because it's you're navigating emotions. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you don't have the thing of like oh, it's starting to get a little low. Let's let's you know have a evil villain come in and break through the wall. And now there's a fight, you know, <laughs> um, or, you know, with comedy, it's just like, us oh, getting a little, whatever, just throwing the joke in and stuff like that, you know, and, because I think it's always sort of like when it gets dull, what's the thing that's going to get your blood pressure going or your yeah. blood going. Right. And so, um, you don't have that with, with it, you know? And so with drama, you know what I mean? It's, it's maybe you could use a little bit of horror, you know, I mean, but, It's just got to be, it's the writing's got to be good. You know, it's got to like move you. It's got to like, you know, hit your emotions and be profound or something like that, you know, and it's hard to keep up, I kind of feel like, you know. Um,
0: Well, especially with something like Sandman, uh, a lot of it is narrative and what's going on in people's heads. Right. And if you can't see what's going on in people's heads, you can't make that visualization exist you can't and and then still keep on the things that are happening in the actual plot you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to tell that story right um and that's why novels being turned into things sometimes turn into a mess because like it's not fun to watch people walking through the forest um if you don't understand that while they're walking through the forest they're going through an existential crisis you know (laughs) in in their head you you can't see that existential crisis
2: most of the time so that's yeah yeah or it's kind of like okay if you're trying to portray that existential crisis like it takes all these very sublime things right yeah. mm-hmm. so this is the thing that caused him to this person to sort of have trauma you know yep. and this is the thing that tipped the trauma and then the trauma became this kind of and again it's it's the very you know sort of specific emotional things that you got to sort of somehow somehow replicate and convey to an audience that that's what's happening you know it's not like, oh, he pulled the gun and he shot his mom or something. And then like, yeah, you get it immediately. Do you know what, yeah. what I mean? But when it's subtler, it's like that time in school when this thing happened. You know what I mean? Um, that's the thing that triggered this and that grew into this or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um things that are multi-stepped almost, you know, a, a growth kind of thing versus just like, it's easy. You just, you do this and you get it. You know, you, you show this, you get it. You know, yep. um, which a lot of superhero things I kind of think are are. You know what I mean? Um, but when you start getting into sort of deep layers of psychology, deep layers of potential trauma, um, it's 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 hard to. How do you visually explain all that kind of a thing, right? And still exactly. keep, keep like a plot. You know, that's not about that because yeah. that's the side thing that's happening while I don't know is on his way to murder murder somebody or something like
1: that how do you keep things in a visual medium like fresh because i see like movies right and there'll be a guy like even dr strange with that freaking watch mm-hmm. oh my watch my broken watch and it means so much to me and you know you know what I'm talking about these touchstones these things right. that they can touch and stroke and it's and it's a substitute for a person john wick watching his wife on his fucking broken iphone you know oh, what i mean yeah. all that type of shit like is there ever a time when you're like at a at storyboard phase or a directing phase when you, when you got to do something like that and you're just like Jesus fuck how can, how can I make this better how can I make this not cliche how can I not pan across all of their medals for the yeah. 87th time how can I not go pan down a a, a newspaper clipping for the 100 millionth time Like, do you, how, how do you mix that stuff up or is that something you impress upon your storyboard artist like don't bring me no shit like that
2: <laughs> you know it's it's hard right because you're you're almost building a language, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the watch or whatever, right? Okay, that becomes a thing, right? And it's like another death short, right? It's like I kept going back to that those three shots of the kid in the room drawing, him as a child, yeah. right? And I try to change them up, right? It's like the first one is obviously the, you know, the good times. That's the first time you see the memory, right? And it's just like, oh, I was happy and stuff like that. Everything's sunny, right? Second time you see it, it's played with almost like a tragedy in a way. It's just like I've lost this kind of thing, right? And the third time it's the, I understand it now. And I've returned to the, the child. And when you're drawing, it's joyous, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think you have to sort of change it up. If it keeps going, like I see the watch and I think about my dead mom, you know what I mean? Oh, the watch again. Oh, I miss my mom. You know? And then it's just the watch again or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh yeah, it's my mom who I miss. I, I think there's a point where you, you, you keep reusing it the same way that it gets Mm. tedious, you know? And so a lot of it is, and that's really the hardest thing, right? Because, you know, I think uh, at least some of the, you know, the directors and servants that I kind of work with that, you know, because I kind of feel like in the beginning, right, when you're younger, right, it's just about like cool action, like, you know, big explosions, stuff like that. Look at this, you know, I look at this Kung Fu film or whatever, and I'm going to totally do this flip and, you know, this arm lock and, you know, like look how Mm -hmm. cool that motion is. Um, but I think as you get older, right, like most, at least most of the people that I, I've kind of worked with, they have a tendency to kind of like you know, go more towards drama. You know, it's like that. I don't know, there's a, there's a scene that I keep showing, like, or I have like, you know, some borders watch, right? It's it's a, it's, a, it's that scene in, have uh, you guys seen it? Uh, Bridges of Madison County.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I actually have, yes. Okay. I've, I've cried.
2: Yeah, yeah. I cried cried for this (laughs) adulteress. But you know that scene where he's about to, Clint Eastwood's about to leave town, right? Mm -hmm. I think if, if, even if you type it up where that scene comes up, because it's, you know, everybody loves that scene, right? Mm -hmm. But I kind of feel like that scene is, that's filmmaking, right? Mm -hmm. Because I kind of feel like it's different than a novel. It's drift. It's, it, it could, that the way that is done is only in cinema and it uses mm. all the sort of facilities of cinema, mm. you know, because it has some narration, but a lot of it is kind of like not really talked about. It's symbolism, it's visuals that sort of telling the narrative. Um, mm. It's the music, it's the way it's edited. It's what you cut to, you know, um, so I look at that and all the metaphor, you know what I mean? The the lights, you know what I mean? The, the the thing that wipes the, even the window getting rolled up, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of things that is just visual, you know? Um, and it all sort of contributes to that moment. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that, again, that's, that's, I think like the stuff that you were talking about, right. of, you know, using things like touchstones or things that you sort of, that represent things, right? Parts of it is a shortcut, right? You look at the watch, you get it, right? Mm-hmm. He misses his mom or something like that, or it's about his dead mom or something like that, right? It could just be a thing he's in a hard spot and he's just kind of like nervously rubbing. You know, it means something, right? And you don't have to explain it if you have sort of set it up right, right? Mm-hmm. So, So sometimes it's... Well, it's a little lazy, especially if you keep using it all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> but when it's used right, it's, it's it's really amazing. I kind of feel like you know, I don't, I can't remember the movie, but again, him putting Clint Eastwood putting that that cross on the rearview mirror, you know, I'm yeah. like, I gotta watch the movie because I forgot what that represents. You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, but, but know some, the, despite Ed hating uh, that that watch, the watch uh, at the end of it. It's broken the whole time in the first two movies and he's always has it and tries to save it no matter what. Yeah. And it's, it represents his attachment to uh, Christine, the girl that he's let go and always messed up. And there's even a scene where he's like, I went to every single timeline and we have never ever got the girl. And at the end of it, he fixes the broken watch and it's literally just letting you know, I'm letting this go. I still have the watch, but I don't have the attachment to the thing. I did, I, I fixed it, and I'm good. So yeah. if if they did that, at least that's what I thought they were doing. Is yeah. by that watch, they're literally just by the watch saying I've let this go. Yeah. This yeah. this was about this was about attachment, and my attachment was uh, toxic and not helping anyone, and I've let go of that attachment.
3: Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. Well, like, and like Sam was explaining, though, you got to build the other stuff all around that before you get all that emotionality out of moi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know <what> <laughs> Rod's, Rod's the fantasy guy. I'm the sci-fi guy. You know, yeah. we're both the comic book guys. But, but again, man, thank you so much for coming through and really chatting it up with us, uh, doing some kind of hard hitting insider questions and also like talking about yourself, because I think more people should know about people like you. And that's kind of why I wanted you to come on. So I know that you don't have like this giant outsized online presence, but any way that you want the fans to uh, interact with you uh, on the interwebs, you can go ahead and drop those now. And I know you're part of NDA Twitter, so a lot of times you can't say what you're working on. But if you do have some general generalization about what you're working on, I'd love that too.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, I'm on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, Usually it's, you know, underscore Sam Blue underscore. Because there's a lot of Sam Loo's, evidently, and I can never get a clean just at Sam Lew, So
1: <laughs> Well, yeah, you're talking to someone who my, – my, I've never got a clean Ed Greer either.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. I have gotten a clear Ron Swallow. I don't know why that I –
1: No, but thank you guys for listening to this illustrious episode. Thank you guys for joining our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the greatest pod. And if you don't want to kick us down any shekels on that, please give us a five-star review, especially after episodes like this and the ones that we've got coming up. You know you want to help us out in that fashion. So whatever your podcatcher is. Give us a follow, give us a like, give us a review. It would really make the make all the difference, and give us a. We'll read your reviews on air too as they come in. So thank you guys again for listening to another episode of the greatest Pa.